Here we go. We are back. Kevin's Corner on report day afternoon. It is one of my most anticipated days of the year. Um, I always enjoy training camp. It's tremendous access. Uh, You finally get answers to all the questions, or start to get answers, I should say, to all the questions we've been talking about for the past few months. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And again, today I think kind of started it uh, from a report day news, very newsy uh, press conference with Chris Ballard. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with us. We will play a Ryan Kelly interview coming up after the reaction to Chris Ballard's press conference right before Twitter questions. And, you know, Eddie, I, I, I really, really try and pride myself on not speaking in hyperbole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been fortunate. You know, the Colts have given us very good access in terms of players over the last couple of years in particular. Uh, the Kelly interview today I thought was one of the more candid ones, really, that we've ever had. And that's kind of all I ask for in these sessions. I know, you know, trust me, I'm... Uh, not saying that Kevin Bowen's the most vulnerable person in the world. Um, so I know it can be pretty difficult to kind of take a peek behind the curtain and, you know, especially stuff off the field. And Ryan Kelly has, you know, been through a lot uh, along with his wife. So um, thank you to him for doing that. Thank you to him for, I thought, revealing some stuff that we hadn't previously heard from him in those sessions, um, you know, and, and just a little bit of a snippet of it. You know, he mentioned to us that, you know, the stress of everything him and his wife have gone through. Uh, at one point, he was down to 285 pounds last year. Wow. I mean, when you think of plain weight, uh, Eddie, of the whatever, I don't know how many teams are left in Division One. let's say there's 115, take out Navy starting center, I'd argue that 99% of them weigh over 285 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he didn't really go too far when I said, you know, did that impact your player, anything like that. But, again, I just thought it was a really – um, eye-opening interview with, with, with Kelly, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. That is from our morning show today on Report Day. We had to force Buckner on the show as well. Uh, he was great, and um, that is from Kevin and Query, so we'll play that here coming up in a bit. Uh, how are you doing, man? It's nice to be back. It's been three weeks. I, yeah, I know it has. I'm like, boy, we were you know, ships crossing in the night uh, I know. There with, our, with our vacation time. but Hopefully yours was better than mine. Oh, boy, was it bad? Uh, we were in Florida for a week, and it rained every day. Holy shit. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Six I, I, straight days of rain. Yeah, we had um, – gosh, we did not have that. I mean, we, we had a little bit of stretches. It's funny. You know, there's been so much rain in central Indiana. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've kind of been out of town during some of that. But, boy, have you seen the weather for this week? Beautiful. <laughs> and hot. Yeah. 97 on Friday. Good day to have a morning practice. Yeah. I would say. I think next Sunday might be the only afternoon practice the Colts have. They're pretty much either all in the morning, the majority of them, or at night. Yeah. So I think they will avoid some of the heat. But boy, I, I do. I guess before we get to the Chris Bauer takeaways, two things. I don't remember seeing temps this hot for a Colts camp in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I've now covered, I think this is my 12th camp, Eddie. I cannot recall. Us sitting here on the eve of training camp, and four of the thirteen practices are sold out. Yeah, I was about to. I was going to bring that up. You know, and I've mentioned it before, and again, and they're not even like it's two joint practices, correct. and then the Friday, this Friday practice and Saturday. Correct. Yep, this Friday morning and this Saturday night, and like you said, the joint ones with the Bears to close out training camp, which you know those to be expected. I tweeted this out earlier today when I took a picture of the field at Grand Park. And just said, you know, the franchise has given the fan base an injection of life, finally. And I think you've got to acknowledge you have created hope 
But that doesn't all of a sudden mean you're going to go out there and win 10 games. It doesn't mean Anthony Richardson's statue is going next to Peyton Manning in 10 years. Like, you've created hope, but now you've got a long ways to go to actually turning that hope into something of substance. And so that's where I do applaud the Colts in the baseball analogy that I've used before of finally getting the bat off their shoulders because there's been a refusal of that. And I think when you look at, you know, and I guess this is a little bit of a, you know, kind of pre training camp thought here, you know, Rick Carlisle, the Pacers head coach, made an analogy a few weeks ago. Uh, in reference to the trade for Tyrese Halliburton, explaining how the Pacers were in a dark place as an organization just before that trade. I thought that was a pretty harsh phrase to use. I don't think they were in a great spot. Um, and I guess maybe dark place is accurate. And obviously, he has he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Lord knows I won't be. So I kind of sat there and thought, man... That that's an interesting point. He meant it in reference to you know where was the direction of the franchise. You had injured, you know your your, your top guys were injured. You were unsure of what the future was. Sabonis and Turner, is it ever going to work? Well, I'd argue last year, the team on the other side of town was in quite a dark place as a franchise, and now it's like all right, you've gone from having a head coach that you brought off television, a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball ten yards down the field effectively. And now you've gotten modern. You've gotten serious. You've tried to create hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And you have a map in your hand. Now it's way down there, and there's a lot of different hurdles between there and the light, but you at least have given yourself an opportunity to try and create something of substance. So certainly, you know, we've got to be upfront with expectations. And, you know, when I think about a win total, I'm thinking seven, uh, that's kind of the, the number I keep on coming back to. It. There's some days I'm like, is that too high? There's some days I'm like, man, look at the schedule. Could they get to eight? Um, but more than anything, because, again, I, I don't think that's, like, that relevant this season. Like, right. I, I just don't think, like, I don't know if you want to gamble on it, sure. But I'd rather sit here and say, you know what, you aren't trying to resurrect for a third year. The question that I get from Colts fans, Eddie, is no longer, hey man, how much do you think that quarterback has left in the tank? Insert name. Rivers, Wentz, Ryan. Is it, he starting? It, it, well, that, yeah, that that is the new question, but it's just no longer that depreciating asset. Yeah. It's now like, and again, looking back on it, I think it's a bit asinine that Chris Ballard thought that the proper path was to try and execute some form of resurrection for three straight years. I mean, that Again, in the last 10 years, name me a modern-day quarterback that a team has successfully done that with. You know, Brady and Manning are in a different stratosphere, and those obviously didn't last very long. Um, you know, I, I, I guess Stafford, if you will. Um, you know, Tannehill, I think you could argue how much that was even mm-hmm. a resurrection on that. And I think a lot of people would just point to the amount of dysfunction that Stafford had around him as like, if you put four All-Pros around him, it's probably going to look pretty good. And that's what they did with... You know Donald and Cooper Cup and Ramsey, et cetera. So, and I guess maybe Matt Gay, maybe he would qualify as the other, yeah, All Pro there. So, we'll see. We'll see how it all unfolds, Eddie. But um, nonetheless, it is uh, clearly an exciting time. I think fans are are feeling that, and it's better than the alternative of how you ended last. Couple last year. things I've got here before we start actually getting into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, you look quite dapper today. You got the oh. nice stripes. Uh, polo. The hair so you're looks- saying I look like a piece of something else on, on other days? No, there's other days where you look a little rough around the edges, <laughs> I will say. Looking quite dapper. Hair looks good today. 
Yeah, you know, I, I did uh, sneak in a little workout in between practice ending today, or I should say the media session ending today, and getting back here. I texted you, and you said you'd be done around 3.15, and I thought, okay, can I, can I get a little... Well, workout action, and so that's why. I Second part of this is uh, you're not going to be in the Cathedral Sports Hall of Fame, but you said you weren't going to be in a Hall of Fame. You're not going to. No, not going to well, make it in the Cathedral Sports I, Hall of Fame. You league? know, maybe it, maybe a picture will be of the 2008 <laughs> Ball State champions, um, but no, I I do not think I will be in. I would think Jack Doyle. I would think Samantha Pezik. I would think Chris Huffins. Um, maybe Xavier Booker, now a freshman at Michigan State, one of the highly ranked. Recruits coming out of college, uh, high school ranks this year, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some other people: Jake Fox, Tommy Hunter, et cetera, et cetera. No, I, I, I will not be. All right, I'm sure you'll make the Indiana Sports Writers and Sportscasters <laughs> Hall of Fame eventually. Yeah. Uh, you're on that path. But uh, Chris Ballard spoke today. Uh, what's your big takeaways out of that? You have a article up on 107.5thefan.com, correct? Yes, and you know, like we do every year at camp, there will be articles, there will be. Uh, videos recapping each day so hopefully my favorite hopefully you guys the hats. i always look for the hat yeah today i rocked a little tiger woods uh head cover hat um so please check those out on our youtube page 107.5 the fan and you got to start doing those like it's like outfit of the day you know but it's the hat of the day well, today i'm wearing this hat and i got it from I, I i do have a variety of hats so maybe i should start to uh incorporate that a little bit more um, but yeah, we'll have plenty of written coverage, and, and you know the podcast will still continue on the on that kind of that that weekly routine, and obviously our morning show from seven to ten. So multi-platform, try to do that, and uh, that's where we'll be here over the next couple of weeks. You know, Eddie, it was funny. I when I started kind of formulating questions for Chris Ballard, I did this on Sunday night, and I started to get down the list. I'm like, damn, dude, there's like six or seven really legit questions to ask him that I could argue any of them. Are the most important topic. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, and their contract situations. Obviously, Shaquille Leonard's health. What about corner? What about O-line? He's been pretty hands-off, veteran free agent-wise, at both of those positions, and I think they're two separate situations. It was the first time when he spoke today that we had talked since Isaiah Rogers. You know, got you know busted, and then the Colts cut him after that. And then lastly, and I always enjoy this from Ballard, I, I just like hearing from him, okay, I previewed six position battles that I'm watching for give me six that you're watching for and not six obviously but you know kind of leave it open-ended for him so a lot of avenues you could go let's start with I thought the most positive news item of the day and that is Shaquille Leonard not on the physically unable to perform list to start camp Um, you know Eddie when I guess it would have been maybe Mark and I did the pod when you were out that was in the day I think the day maybe it was the day of maybe the day after uh, Jim Mercy had made those comments about Shaquille Leonard has a chance on the Pat McAfee show. And, you know, there are a lot of people like, what does he mean by has a chance? I never inferred that as like he has a chance to ever play again. I mean, I, I understand there's scar tissue with Andrew Luck. I totally get that. And I understand there's been mixed messaging from the Colts before when it comes to injuries. But I have kind of always felt like, especially when Leonard sat out the entire spring, he was just gearing up for this this opportunity of, all right, here you have, what is today, the 25th? Here you have a month and a half to go until the start of the season. What can you do from a ramp-up standpoint? And I think you look at the Leonard situation right here on July 25th, 2023, and think back to July 25th, 2022. I don't know. You have to say he's in a better spot. Now, how much better? We're going to find out. But he one unquestionably, he's in a better spot. Again, first off, he's not on PUP. We've actually seen him run a little bit. 
that's a great point. There's actually some tangible evidence. We can argue what that looks like and all of that. And I'm not saying there I saw a Pro Bowl linebacker move, but there is some tangible evidence. And I would say the last part of it is this time last year, Eddie, he was a month and a half removed from back surgery. This time, he is what? Eight months removed from the second back surgery. Now, again, it's the second back surgery, but just the time frame is totally, totally different. Um, now, I think they're going to be very thorough and very slow and meticulous with this process and ramping him up. And again, I am not sitting here by any means saying Shaquille Leonard, the all pro linebacker, is going to be out there week one for 75 snaps against Jacksonville. But what I am saying is he's in a better spot, clearly. And we'll see how it all plays out. But I thought that was the most positive news from the day. The two guys that will be on the pup list, uh, Tyquan Lewis and Will Mallory, not surprised by Lewis at all. It's a patella tendon injury, same one from last year. Uh, Ballard, I think, said it'll probably be a couple more weeks on him. He's a veteran that I thought played pretty good football coming off the patella last year. Now he's got another one, so you know we'll see how, obviously, that impacts him. Uh, and then Will Mallory, who had a nice rookie minicamp, you know, he has had a foot injury that's lingered since, did not participate in the OTAs in the minicamp. Ballard didn't act like it'd be too, too long for him on the pup list. Um, but for the most part, Ballard acted like they'd be pretty healthy. Uh, they were still going through some physicals on Tuesday when he met with us, so we'll see if any other guys... You know, you, I, I think you're going to have your ramp-up periods for, you know, Taylor even, Pittman even, Josh Down. You know, the guys that miss the spring. Jelani Woods a little bit. Juju. Tree, Juju Brents. Um, Darius Rush. Darius Rush. Uh, you know, I, I assume Rigoberto Sanchez is good to go. There's no other punter on the roster. Um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much covers all of the big-ish injury stuff from them. What do you say about Jonathan Taylor and that contract? So, I let me start here, Eddie. I don't say this with extreme amount of confidence, but I also... Hope our listening audience understands when I say something on the podcast, I I, I don't say it just to say stuff. Um, I frequently get asked about the Pittman and Taylor contract situations and how I think they will play out. There is certainly a, I would argue, several ounces of unknown with contracts and just how it plays out and, okay, what's the Barkley domino mean for Taylor and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you were going to say, Kevin Bowen in 2024, what's going to happen here? Is Michael Pittman, is, you know, Jonathan Taylor, are they going to be Colts in 2024 and beyond? I think they will be. I don't know how the contract's going to look. I don't know when Penn is going to be put to paper. But if you had to make me choose, A, B, C, or D, A is they both resign, B is they don't, C is just Taylor, D is just Pittman, I'd say they both resign. Um, we'll hear from Taylor, by the way, tomorrow after practice. He did not speak to the media today. Um, he did report to camp. I guess there was a freakout from Ian Rappaport, maybe, kind of late in the morning on whether or not he would r- report to camp. I thought the um, I thought the Ballard comments were a bit interesting today. Um, I almost walked away from the presser thinking. Man, he had more public love for Michael Pittman than he did Jonathan Taylor. Now, he has always loved himself some Michael Pittman. I mean, he has not shied away from that. And the Taylor comments, you know, he would, he mentioned right out of the gate that kind of like history is is good for us re signing guys that 
you know, produce early in those rookie contracts. But then he also mentioned on more than one occasion how there is a new coaching staff in town. And obviously there's a new offensive coaching staff in town. And Eddie, I'm not going to like overly read too much into it, but again, he said it on more than one occasion. And just think about what happened in Philly last year. And where is Miles Sanders now? Again, I know it's not you know, the exact same situation, and all things are different, but um, I do think that is something that it just kind of caught my ear a little bit, like, hmm, boy, he said that a couple of times. Um, so, we'll see how things unfold. I, I, I still think, and you know, Ballard mentioned this as well several times and went out of his way to say that you pay good players regardless of where they play, and I know it's a quote that, understandably, frustrates a lot of Colts fans, and, and it is one that I probably disagree with. Um, but I do think, and I, I did ask him, you know, are you against doing contracts, re-signings in season? Because outside of Grover Stewart, I can't think of one that they've done in season. You know, Hines and and, and Nelson were right before the start of the season. Um, trying to think who else they got done. Braden Smith was right before the start of camp, and I think Shaq was like in the middle of camp. If you look back at the draft pick re-signings they've done, well, Q was before week one, right? Right before week one. I want to say like the 48-hour period. Him and Hines, I think, were very close to being right in week one a, a, a few years back. But he's not against doing one in season, is what he said on um, on Tuesday. Um, again, I, I think they want him here long term, but I'm anxious to hear him tomorrow. Because that Saquon Barkley thing today, Eddie, that didn't, that didn't look like a dude carrying the running back flag for the league. I mean, a little sweet sweetener on the franchise tag. Like well, the thing is, year, I, I, he's not holding out. I mean, it's. I think the long. I think I can't. I didn't find the note again, and I'm mad that I didn't. But the note that I saw was that with him making his franchise tag 11 million dollars with those incentives boosted on, if he were to be tagged next year when it goes up by 20 percent. He would then be the third highest paid back between the franchise tag this year and the franchise tag next year and the two-year period. So maybe it's more of a long-term play. So he'd be behind what, McCaffrey and Kamara? I think it was McCaffrey and Henry. Maybe. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I, I just, I saw the Barkley thing and I'm like, wow, you know, that wasn't as demonstrative as I thought. It could have gotten for him with that. Um, so, I I don't know. Maybe I'm overly reading things into it. Um, Eddie, I'll be honest. I saw the Jonathan Taylor response to the Matt Miller tweet from last week. I found the tweet, by the way. Go ahead. If Saquon Barkley maxes out his restructured deal in 23, he'll earn $11 million. That increases his franchise tag value for 2024 up to $13.2 million or a 24.2 million payout over the next two years. Only Christian McCaffrey, $30.5 million, and Derrick Henry, $26 million, have higher two-year cash outputs. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, you go two years out. Interesting on that. Um you know, still, I, I guess from a long-term stance, you know, he certainly didn't take one today. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is a tremendous human. I think he stands for everything you want to off the field. Um, I saw his response to the Matt Miller tweet, Eddie, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Where's the substance? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. I still have not seen substance from anybody arguing for running backs making more money. 
And I, I tough luck. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this. You know, it, it, it's the same thing you say to Zach Eady as he transitions to the NBA next season. It's kind of wild. Saquon's last retweet is from James Boyd. Really? Yeah. Um, Six days ago. I, I just don't sit here and think that like these running backs deserve more money. It, it's just the nature of the position. It's unfortunate. Um, but that is life in the NFL in the year 2023. I mean, when you think about back-to-the-basket post guys, they don't make as much money as they used to make in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the game's evolved. And in the NFL, the game's evolved. It's become more of a passing league. And so the passing positions are the ones that have been rewarded in that value. It's why wideouts are making more money, and pass rushers are making more money, and corners are making more money than they once were, and linebackers and safeties, and and you know especially kind of hard-hitting safeties, if you will, uh, and running backs aren't making as much. That's just... It's just life. It's how the NFL has evolved. And so when I see the running backs trying to argue, I respect the effort, but I don't see any substance with it. Has Jonathan Taylor had Colts running back in his bio at all on social media at any point? Boy, if I'm looking for that, I I might be divorced tomorrow. Well, I was just asking because his Twitter bio says, inquires jtaylorinquiry at gmail.com, toppers pizza franchise order. That's it. Toppers is such an underrated... Pizza. Never had it. Oh, solid. Uh, r- right over there by IUPUI. I had some late night cheese bread sessions. Tremendous. Um, oh, Pittman. Yep. He loves him, dude. He, he loves him. Um, I love Pitt. I freaking do. Loves to compete. All, all those I things. I freaking love Pitt, man. Yeah, you can you can hear it. Uh, he added, he's a big piece of what we do. I mean, you, you don't just say that if you don't mean it. Mm-hmm. Because what's the agent going to do? He's going to take that quote and say, hello. <laughs> hear what you just said. Um, and when I hear Chris Bauer talk about Pittman, it's it echoes a phrase that I've used a million times to describe Pittman, and that there's no UFC pretty boy with him in his style and how he plays. And when you think about wideouts, you can get some of that. And I think when you want to try to make a strong impression on a rookie quarterback, a guy that works like Pittman works is what you want. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's willing to, again, on paper, be an overpay. Where else are you spending the money? Those are my thoughts on it. Now, Pittman also, and, and he's been very quiet about his contract situation compared to Taylor. I have a theory behind him as to why, but go. Okay, I'll, I'll just sneak this in. I, Pittman strikes me as a dude that's just like, hey, if if, if I got to play the season out, I'll play the season out. So, again, I don't know when or how or, or, or where that's going to get done, but um, the Colts really, really like him. I know they do, but and I think Pittman is waiting on Taylor. Because if Taylor gets the tag, he can ask for whatever number he wants. He can ask for $20 million, I'd be comfortable paying him with $20 million. But if he comes out like asking for 25 26 I don't know. I think that's a little bit harder to swallow because you haven't seen the full-on production of that of wide receivers in that range. And now on the inverse side of things here, he knows he's going to get at least $20 million because if Taylor is extended, then they will not have to use the tag on Taylor and they can use the tag on Michael Pittman Jr. in this past year, uh, the franchise tag was $19.77 million, and I expect that number to go up because I think there's a couple of wide receivers that are due to get paid, uh, T. Higgins, and then I think C.D. Lamb will get an extension. I think Justin Jefferson will get an extension as well. I come back to a comment I made, I believe, with Mark on a couple podcasts ago. You cannot shortcut support for Richardson. Nope. And I think moving on, and, and I, you know, 
get back to the Taylor argument, I, I, I've said this before. Again, kind of like a two, three-year extension. I, I could get behind that. I come back to the root of don't draft and running back in the second round. You guys have heard me say that. But Pittman, I just think, skimping on that and putting all that pressure on Pierce, all that pressure on Josh Downs. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, all that pressure on the tight end room, a tight uh-huh. end room that's extremely unproven. So um, those were the comments today. Position battles that Ballard is watching, tight end and corner. I don't think any shock there. Um he loves Dallas Flowers. Boy, he loves Dallas Flowers. He mentioned that uh, he still talks with Stephon Gilmore somewhat frequently. And I think Gilmore even said to him kind of early last season, like, boy, Flowers can play. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously Flowers is kind of taking on a Gilmore-type role this season. Oh, he's going to be Gilly Lock 2.0, is that what you're saying? Well, well, Dallas Flowers strikes me as a dude that doesn't lack in confidence. So we, we will see. Uh, you know, pretty much what you expect with the Isaiah Rogers situation. I thought Ballard would would staunchly defend the NFL, staunchly defend the Colts' education, and and he did that, and basically saying like they made bad choices. The league's pretty clear on what you can and can't do. Um, don't bet, don't bet on football, don't bet in your building. Yeah. So that's pretty much what he said. I did ask him just for clarity's sake. Did you know about Rogers before before the draft? And he was like, no, we did not. They entered the offseason, and they had a very clear focus that they wanted to get younger at corner. Mm-hmm. And clearly, they have done that in a major, major way. Um, he kind of compared it to the 2018 season, and like, or going from, I guess, 2017 to 2018 when they drafted, I guess, Quincy Wilson, and then Kenny Moore was an undrafted free agent. You know, Pierre Desir was... I thought a guy that was critical mm-hmm. around that time. So I, I don't know if that's the exact same situation, but that was something that he mentioned today. Um, O-line wise. Boy, he, Pierre is here. Name drop. I haven't heard that one for a minute. Yeah. I always like this here. Good dude. Good dude. Um, he's good with what you have on the on the O-line. And this is just one where I scratch my head. I, I don't really scratch it at corner because, again, Play the youth if you're going to commit to it in a season that I don't think wins and losses is the most dominating storyline. O-line-wise, though, it is wild to me that this is the group that they're going with, and more so the depth that they're going with. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have experienced depth with this group. Negatory. So that's where I'm a little bit like, and again, he was like, watch the second half of the season last year, you know, we ran the ball better. Pass protection was still a little bit of a question mark. Bernard Ryman took the jump. Um, yeah, I guess I don't disagree with that, but dude, you are an injury away from, in particular, I would say Freeland or, or, or um, not Freeland, Braden Smith or Quint, um, Jesus, Braden Smith or Bernard Ryman. Is Freeland still unsigned? Scramble mode. No, no, no. He, uh, he I, didn't, put, I missed that one. Yeah, him and Brents, they announced that yesterday, okay. I want to say, and then just made it official with Richardson. Uh, before we started recording this, so hey, yeah. something came our way before the pod. <laughs> he mentioned Freeland as Penter as those depth guys, so he did throw in there. They will continue to look, but he definitely wasn't like adamant, adamant about that. He name dropped Ekior at all in there? He did not. No, he did yeah. not name Ekior. Did not name any. Who's the dude they signed from Dallas? Dakota Shepley. Yep. Um, he did not mention yep. him. As well, I'd say last point, just uh, Anthony Richardson wise, and you know, I thought Ballard—he's always the most tempered out of the three. Mm-hmm. Ursay, Steichen, and, and and Chris. We all know how Jim is. I do think Chris. You know, he he did acknowledge today that like, yeah, you do have to play to get better. I mean, there's a point in time where it's like, 
you can't just continue to practice and practice and practice and think you're going to make these huge advances. There's got to be some some trial and error with that. But he certainly wasn't committing to again any sort of timetable. He wasn't. He didn't really have a great answer for like what do you need to see out of Richardson for you to know that he's ready week one. Because for me, that answer comes back to two things: is your O line adequate, and can Richardson handle a Shane Steichen game plan? Yeah. And if he can do those two things, check, check, throw him out there. Boom, boom. Week one. Um, one, two, so yeah, bang, those on are, my drum all day. That, that was kind of the big thing with uh, Richardson. Ballard loves himself some, some some Gardner Minshew, how he's wired. He really likes that. And he also appreciates kind of the even keel nature that Richardson brings. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinks that's important, obviously, for long-term success quarterback-wise. Um, I think that covers everything. Uh, he's eager to see Julian Blackman at strong safety. I think he's going to have a big year. If he stays healthy. And I feel like that kind of covers everything Ballard. So a few more tidbits in that uh, notebook that's up on 1075thefan.com. All right. You want to transition out of position battles? Well, let's go to the Ryan Kelly oh, interview okay. next, okay? Um, so uh, this was from our morning show today. This is Ryan Kelly to Forrest Buckner. I'll probably, Eddie, make a little audible heel here and just leave the position battles for the written content. Try okay. to force people okay. <laughs> to the website. Look so at you, you. Six position battles up on the website from 107.5 The Fan. Uh, but yeah, let's play that Ryan Kelly interview. Again, it's from Tuesday morning, report day for uh, Colts training camp. Ryan Kelly's joining us now here, live at Colts camp. Report day, uh, camp number nine? Close, eight. Eight for you? Yep. When you see 97 degrees on Friday, your thought is what? I did see that. It's just going to be tough, but that's training camp, you know? I was telling them on the way in, like from the time you're you know, in the third grade to now, August is hot no matter where you go. So That's like, a great point. I'm thankful not to be at Anderson. I feel like there was not a hotter place in the country. <laughs> does, it, does it have a back-to-school? You know, Ryan, those of us who never played professional sports cannot relate to the thought of training camp. The only thing that we have to compare it to is that feeling when you're a kid the last couple of weeks of summer of, like, looking at the calendar like, oh. Is it have a you're, – you're smirking almost like you know oh, yeah. where I'm going with that. Does it have the same type feeling? Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, I always – like, we always joke, like, once July 4th hits, it's just all downhill from there. You know, like – because you, you think you've got, like, a great offseason, a great summer, and then July 4th hits, and you're like, in two weeks I'm going to be in training camp, you know? But then you get here, and it's like – it's kind of the excitement of that first day of school, you know, where, like, you're seeing the guys again for the first time in a month and a half. Um, it's the it's the excitement for a new season, a new uh, coaching staff, everything, you know? And, and the eight years that I've been doing it and, and the pros, it's like every year is so different. So uh, there is, like, that – Welcome back, first kind of first day of school feeling, and it's awesome. I have a really dumb question. It would not shocking. Do you guys get paid year round or just in season? Uh, so your eighteen weeks gets spread out over um, double that. Okay. So before it was just once a week, and then once the season was over, you stopped. Yeah, I was going to say because so there were there was a time was there not when at least you came here and you're like, oh man, at least the direct deposit no, came back in. You do get paid during training camp, but uh, for like the season goes, uh, you used to get paid week one to the very end of the season, and then the, the hose is off. 
now they just doubled it to kind of stretch out in March, help some guys out. Gotcha. I obviously want to talk some football questions, but I think, and you guys have been very public about this, you and your wife, Emma, um, and frankly, having to go through hell from a parenting standpoint here in the last couple of years, and I look to 97 degrees on Friday, and I think about you, I also think about your wife. Um, yeah. Fill us in, yeah, yeah. do with twins in what, when? Uh, sometime around the beginning of the season. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, just kind of depends with twins. You just never know. But Congrats. I, and yeah, I think yeah. I speak for yeah. everybody. I, um, You guys, again, been through absolute hell. And how's she doing? How's she feeling? I can't imagine being pregnant, let alone twins, yeah. let alone during the summer. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, just watching her go through, like, you know, giving birth when, you know, your body is not supposed to the first time with our daughter, um, to burying her, to trying again, that process taking a long time, like, at, at a point in the last season, like, I got down to, like, 285 pounds, which I hadn't been that since I was in high school. And I think it was just, like, the stress. And, like, that's the thing about football is, like, the world keeps going, right? And, like, you have to adjust and find a way to, like, push through. And it was it was tough. So I, I say all that because, like, my wife was the strongest person I've ever met. Like, you know, people always think, like, men are super tough. Football players are big tough guys. Like, now, like, watching her go through that process and then now, like, her body being able to do what it does with twins is insane. Um, and so – like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't still be here if I wasn't wasn't for her. Um, and she's just an incredible rock star of a wife and a, and a mom. But they'll be here before we know it, and, and life will be life will be a lot different. You know. Sure. Well, so, good luck in you. that process. I, again, everybody obviously rooting for you there. Yeah. You just said down to two eighty five last year. Did that impact your play? I think there was a lot of things going on. Uh, I mean, I, I was I was battling through some a lot of mental stuff too. Like it yeah. didn't you know it wasn't like I just finished the twenty one season and. You know, that was it. It was like a lot of carryover from grieving my my daughter to all the bunch of other stuff. And at the end of the day, like, you know, people don't really care. You know, that's what I realized is like, you know, life keeps going on. You're still a football player. And um, I had, we had a really great support system of like players and stuff like that. Um, and after last season, like I, I took a step back from like everything and I was like, like, I need to just take a break, you know. And then I came back into it. And when Shane got hired, met him, met Tony. And it was like that rebirth of like, yes, this is still what I want to do. I love this game. Like, I'm not ready to be done. Um, like, just because the last like year and a half was such a blur of like ups and downs and so so much low. And now after going through like April to June and with the guys and with Tony, like there was just I've never been like more excited for a season and like felt like we were going to go do something great again. You know what I mean? How close were you to saying year seven was it? I don't know. I mean, probably not that serious. I think I was just in a really dark place um, with just all of the life stuff going on around me. I, I knew I wasn't ready to be done with football. I still loved it. It's just it's it was hard to get going every day, you know, when there's so many external factors playing in your life. And um, but once, like I said, once Shane got like once the season was over and I was able to get away for like a week or two, I was like, no, like, I'm not done playing. I still love this game. I've got a lot to do, a lot to prove to myself and other people. You know, mental health, Ryan. Is such an important and yet enigmatic thing mm-hmm. for anybody, right? Yep. Not only how we handle it ourselves, but also how we handle it in other people and seeing it in other people. This organization has has made a pretty public stand about mental health and mental health awareness in the last couple of years. It's the only organization you played for, so I know you can't speak to what it would have been like elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But was that, I guess, some sort of a... a, a a comfort to you, number one, and did it make it easier to kind of blend and be open about what you were going through within your job? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I'm not naive to think that, like, I know people that went through similar situations for us who didn't play in the NFL, and those people were back to work, you know, within a couple of weeks. And, like, I can't imagine that. Like, they, granted, they didn't have to go do physical things on Sunday, but just the day-to-day, your your emotions, your energy is so zapped by what's going on in your brain. And the Colts were fantastic in that. Like, they never rushed me back. They said I could take as much time as I wanted. And I still think that they knew I wouldn't be right, but, like – the one thing that we've that my wife and I have realized is it took us a while to get to this point, but like authentic, like being open and helping people out and just speaking about it, like everybody's going through something, right? Like no one's got a perfect life, no one's going through, you know, a smooth transition to anything, um, but like being vulnerable to open and talk about it, um, like it's helped us and it's helped some other people. And I think the Colts have done, like I said, they're the only people I know in organizations of the NFL that truly talk about it and care about it you know i think it's one thing to to promote it do these things but to actually be about it and for your players who you know it's a very cutthroat business and you have to make decisions at the end of this month but they still care about you no matter where you go or if you're here or not i think that that's an incredible um test of who they are and like you know truly caring have you had people that have come up to you you know at, at the grocery store at the movie theater whatever it might be have you had people that have come up to you that have said you know what like i never told anybody this but i could relate i've been there Oh yeah, we we hosted a a Mother's Day event last year. Um, at it's a long it's, it's a long story. I'll make it short. Um, for mothers who had just lost like babies, right? Mother's Day is very hard when you when you don't have sure. your kid to to hold. So my wife did what she always does: amazing things for other people. And we're there, and it's like I'm looking around, like I'm on, is any husbands or men going to like show up to this thing? And they did. And I could tell when they were kind of coming in, they were very apprehensive. To you know, they didn't know because man, we don't talk about these things sometimes, right? It's hard to hard to you know meet a random guy be like what are you going through you know but in that moment like I, I would talk I would just go up to the guys and just talk to him like you know like tell me your story tell me your son tell me your, your daughter you lost and to see like a physical weight being lifted off their shoulders in that moment um was like it made all the suck that we've been through worth it right because like you know that that guy is helping me I'm helping him in the same way that like that's one connection that guy might go to that to somebody else right like these people that are living with this like burden of fire in their heart and their soul they go out there and they do that for somebody else makes the world a better place so I mean that, I've been very very fortunate to be able to do that it's an incredible torch you guys are carrying um, so kudos to you guys for that and thank you from a community standpoint for, for doing that again Ryan Kelly is with us here first round pick of the Colts back in 2016 he's going to snap to his 733rd different quarterback here coming up uh, tomorrow for his first training camp you said the word miscommunication I feel like quite often in the spring when asked about the O-line issues from last season you expand on that what you, what you mean by miscommunication communication as being kind of the the big 2022 issue yeah i think that i mean i could sit here for hours and go into you know how guys were you know if there's a difference in pass sets as far as like the guard to the center the center to the tackle like there was just a lot of external things that you know we never buttoned up as a group and as an offense and um you know i think everybody everybody looks back on it and like yeah like you know we didn't have the season we wanted to but then going back into the spring, Tony pulled up a bunch of clips from us throughout last year. And it was like, no, like you guys are doing really good stuff. Like if you watch these, like watch these clips, guys are just mauling people. Right. But then it's like, you know, we miss, we miss one thing here or like this, this call doesn't get communicated out or doesn't get communicated to the quarterback or that there's always, there was a breakdown of some kind of communication and that's what causes the bad problems. Um, And so, you know, 
try to leave it in the past, right? Because I think it's a new offense. It's a new system. There's new guys. Um, and we've done it before. We just have to you know, get back into it. Last one for me. You're a smart dude. You get how the NFL operates. You've Are you the NFL PA rep still uh, for the team? Well, I'm on the EC now, so I'm no longer the rep. But okay, yes. so you're even higher up. Uh, from an NFL PA standpoint, was there ever a point, January, February, you thought, man, I don't know if I'm going to be here in 2023? Like, I, when did you get that reassurance? Did you ever have that thought that you might not be here, given your contract, given your age, those sorts of things? I mean, I think as you get older, you always think about it. Huh? But um, no, I mean, like when I, when I talked to Shane, and you know, like I think that was one of Shane's first calls, and Tony called me and talked about all the great things we were going to do. It was like, yeah, like this is this is the same call I needed to hear when I was contemplating, you know, whether I still love this game after last year and all the ups and downs and mostly all the downs, right? And um, it's amazing, though, like what a, what a new a new face can come in and do and, and what a resurgence of a team can come in. And I think that's what's great about training camp as you get older is these young guys keep getting younger and it keeps you young. It keeps you hungry to go out there and do more because, you know, you still have left, you know, you still have plays in the table to be that will be made out there and years to be played. And um, I still love the game, you know, and I think that um, – I still have a lot to do, and I think Tony and, and uh, Shane were a big part of that. You know, that, that 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 saying like, "Look, you guys are still some of the best players in your position. Like, we just have to we have to find a way to go out there and be more consistent than what we were last year." And a lot of that's you know some other stuff around us, whatever. But um, if we can do that as five, then we'll be all right. Uh, I've got a couple questions that are going to completely illuminate my naivete about a lot of things here. Okay, right. first is this: as a center. Do you snap the ball differently to different quarters? Does the way that you snap the ball vary from depending on who you're snapping it to? No. Same each way. Okay. So, it, or like, in, it, does anything change in terms of the guy that is taking the snap, in terms of your approach, anything that you need to know about that player? I mean, as far as um – not as far as snapping the ball, but as far as like communication wise goes, yeah. Like when you go from, you know, Matt Ryan to Nick Foles to Sam Ellinger, like they're all different. You know what I mean? So they all have their own little quirks. But um, as far as like just getting the ball to them, now it's all set. Okay. Then lastly, the guys that are alongside you, mm-hmm. how long does it take to understand their tendencies, learn them? Because that is such a critical part of an offensive line. Yeah, it's huge. I think that. Um, it takes longer than people think. I think in a, in a results-driven business where in today's world, like, no one has patience to get things going uh, or give it time to develop, it's tough. But um, at the same time, I think, you know, it takes a little bit to figure out, like, you know, receiver gets hurt, guys can go plug in there, right, and you're running around. Like, offensive line goes, like, you know, you five all have to be on the same page. Right. You know, it's, it takes a lot longer for one person to step in or if you have different rotations. Um, it's not just a plug-and-play business. In that regard, so I think that it does take time. It takes a long time, and it's also getting to know each other off the field, which is I think it's the best part about training camp is also just getting to learn guys and having that you know that camaraderie outside of the game. So get your juice boxes together, watch some movies, have some fun, right? Yeah, my rookie year we sang, uh, we tried to sing American Pie. We learned every word to American (laughs) Pie, which is the hardest song to learn, by the way. And then we uh, our our song of the training camp was uh, Africa by Toto. We played it every every day. Classic. I always thought it was I missed the rains. I can't believe it's I blessed the rains. I never would have known. No, never got it right. But we we played it every day before uh, before practice, and I swear, like, still (laughs) can hear that like going out walking to Anderson hearing that song. So Ryan, good luck. Uh, Good luck to Emma's. 
well. My, my wife and I are fortunate to have two young kids, and we've talked about your story and, and can't even imagine what you've gone through. So rooting for her, and, and if there's anybody out there that deserves a smooth uh, pregnancy and delivery, it's certainly her. So good Thanks. luck with everything on the field and certainly off the field as well. Thanks, guys. That's Ryan Kelly right there, Colts center. Again, the question, oh, a little Africa. Ryan, they've got a little Africa from our producer, Mark Mark Dykton. Thank he's, you to he's Ryan Kelly right as we speak. That was Ryan Kelly earlier today, and again, um, humble dude, man. Yeah, humble dude. He's been through a lot. Him and his wife. I guess for those totally unfamiliar, I mean, Ryan pretty much said it there in the um, in their story. You know, lost their baby deep into that pregnancy, and you know that was right after they had done the you know, gender reveal on Hard Knocks at Lucas Oil Stadium, and yeah. Um, now they have twins, right? They got twins uh, expected here, as Ryan said, kind of at the start of the season. So when I think 97 degree heat, as I said to Ryan, I'm thinking about Emma on Friday because, you know, Maddie um, was pregnant with Max, who was born last September. So she was pregnant during the summer. It sounds awful and very difficult. And I can't imagine having twins and doing that. And not to mention, again, everything they, of course, have uh, have been through. So everybody rooting for the Kelly family. In that department, ready for do uh, to do Twitter questions? Let's do. Oh wait, wait, we calling it Twitter? Yes, yes, Twitter. We're not doing X questions here. I mean, that could get dicey. That could be a different podcast. The X. What are they gonna call? They're gonna call them like X. How is he gonna call like tweet? See, I can't even pronounce it. Z- is it Zeets? Like, Z- like X-E-E-T? Zeets? Yeah. I guess. All right. Patrick is up first. I'm starting to see significant whispers of Anthony Richardson to quite realistically start week one. Is there a fire that explains all this smoke? Um. I Again, I don't know if like there's been more whispers to this. Um, I... I I haven't seen anything necessarily that has spoken to it. I think Ursay and Steichen continue to kind of preach what they said around the draft, and, and you know, I guess maybe Ballard a little bit different on that end. I do think in relation to, to Richard Sinetti, so many people see the combine and they're like, the Colts just drafted the dude strictly off the combine. And mm-hmm. there's more to the story, I think, with Richardson. And I, I've tried to kind of get a little bit more into like the why. Why did the Colts draft Anthony Richardson? And obviously the physical tools are a huge reason why. But I think there's two other aspects to Richardson and how he is that are big reasons why they drafted him. You know, we, we had to force Buckner also on our morning show today. And Buckner mentioned in his kind of first impressions of Richardson, once you get past kind of the sheer physical size, something that stands out is his pocket presence. And, you know, that's not something you can really test at the combine. But I think a big question evaluating quarterbacks is are you a deer in headlights or or not? Because that's vitally important. And I think that is a big element that sold the coaching staff and the scouting staff of we can mold him. Because I think you make the, the argument that's kind of an unteachable trait. When a pass rush comes, are you going to hang in there and take a shot and deliver it? Or are you going to kind of crumble? You have to remember they sent Morocco Brown down to scout this guy for the last two years right yeah i mean he was certainly down in florida a whole whole lot um you know poise is a word the colts have often used with richardson and and you know when buckner said that to me earlier today i was kind of like yeah you know I, I think that's worth mentioning again of like this is a guy that just because he is this extremely gifted running athlete he's not a guy that when the rush comes he just all of a sudden cripples i mean he's got a pocket presence to him that 
I mean, you watch Patrick Mahomes, I would argue it's Mahomes' greatest trait. I'd argue it's right up there with his arm, which I think says something. Yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to the the LeBron James of, sure, LeBron is a specimen of an athlete. I'd also argue he's got the best basketball mind on the floor in 98% of the games he plays in. Mm -hmm. So when you combine those two attributes, you know, you you have a potential to mold something, and and that's what it is. And, And then the other thing is, you know, Pittman talked about this today of just... You know, given his work ethic, it's hard not to see him be successful. So certainly, as a thrower of the football, he's still got to come around. Uh, you know, processing at the NFL level is different than at the college level. We still have yet to really see him in you know those big time critical moments, fourth quarter, one possession, two minute, week in, week out. That that NFL grind that 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 is there over the course of a 17 game schedule. So those are all still questions. But again, I'm trying to provide a little bit of context of the why. Mm-hmm. You know, why did Indianapolis believe in him outside of strictly just what he did at the combine? I mean, if you're if you're around him a lot, you can tell that he's just like an incredible human human being. And like you want to have a guy like that behind at the quarterback because it helps gather the troops for lack of a better phrase. Like if you got a guy that you can easily root for as a as a teammate, I think it's a lot easier to bring guys around you and to bring the team together. Certainly. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Himlord is up next. I know you said on pod 407 that you think Pittman gets a new contract before the end of the season. Excuse me there. Personally, I think Ballard waits, engages Pittman's production this year before giving him the extension like he's done before, as I don't think Pittman has actually outperformed expectations like some of the others have. With that being said, using likelihood and risk, which of the following scenarios are you going with? numero uno sign him to a team-friendly extension before the season he ends up having a barely above average season scenario number two he's having a really good season but you've waited until the latter part of the season or the end of the season before trying to sign him to an extension and he's on the fence number three let him walk and go after a T. Higgins in free agency, assuming he's available. You have the cap room. And finally, number four, let him walk in the Colts finish with a top 10 pick and a good to great chance of landing Marvin Harrison Jr. Boy, that's a workout reading that one. Great effort by you there. Thank you. Uh, I I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the audio. Maybe I misspoke a little bit. I, again, I, I've tried to not throw kind of time frames on the Taylor and Pittman thoughts because I think these are pretty unique situations. Um, I think the Colts eventually get something done, meaning Pittman will be here long term. But I, I don't know when. Now, granted, you know Pittman also strikes me as a dude that you know might be willing to test the market and see what's out there. And can you imagine if he has a big year, <laughs> what a quality wideout would get on the open market? I mean, imagine he's he was a thousand yard receiver with Carson Wentz, and he almost caught a hundred footballs last year with the quarterback position of Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and his yards per catch dipped by three yards so if he maintained the 12 and whatever it was he had the previous half a couple of years and then he would have had a 1200 yard season yeah I, I so who knows so we'll, we'll see you know Pittman's kind of thoughts on this he's been obviously very mum about it um you know I, I still think it's realistic that it could be one or even you know number one here um or just after the season ends and as far as number four is I'd do both. I'd re-sign Pittman and I'd draft Harrison Jr. Right? Like, I, Sorry, Alec. The rich need to get richer when, and I guess continue the rich comment for Anthony Richardson, although my head is exploding imagining how I tie all of those things together. 
you know, what did A.J. Brown do for Jalen Hurts with yep. Devontae Smith in tow? Um, obviously, Josh Allen's career took off when Stephon Diggs arrived. I mean, keep that cupboard stocked like none other. I mean, think about our last couple Super Bowl champions. Nice little rhyme there. Did it rhyme? A little bit. Keep that cupboard, cupboard stocked like none other. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I, don't know. I think you're giving me way too much credit there. I don't know. Um, I look at these things and think when you're trying to develop and grow a quarterback, those are those critical moments to where, again, you cannot skimp on skill, particularly at the pass-catching position. Right. So um, I think it's very, very important to – Try and bolster it as much as possible. And just because you re-signed Pittman, I mean, hell, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be on a pretty affordable contract for the next you know, handful of seasons if we're going to go down that path. Ryan has some over-unders for the podcast. Michael Pittman Jr., 1,000 yards. Ooh, let's go slightly over. Let's go 1,100. Okay. Jonathan Ta- I agree. Jonathan Taylor, 1,200 yards rushing. Under. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Eleven fifty. Okay. See okay. Richardson eat, eating into that. But the caveat, Kevin, does Jonathan Taylor have more chunk plays because of yes. the opening? Yeah. I think the yards per carry could rise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Pierce, seven hundred yards under. I'm going under for him and the next guy, uh, Josh Down, six hundred yards. Yeah, I go under there as well. Jelani Woods, five hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Boy, those are big numbers for tight end. Um, I have to go under, under, just because there's so many players at that position. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of like around half dozen touchdowns though for Jelani Woods. I actually think that's more realistic. I think the eight touchdowns more realistic than the 500 yards. I would agree there. Yeah, it, it's just it's hard for tight ends to sustain yards kind of week in. Week Unless you're Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, obviously. Um, slimmer Jelani Woods down about seven to nine pounds. Really, two fifty five is where he's at. Uh, heading into this year. By the way, did you go to Quentin Nelson's celebrity? I did not know we game? were uh, we were en route back. Uh, oh, that's right, back home. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Irwin is the next Twitter question: Is Chris Ballard not bringing in competition at right guard and veteran depth at left tackle? Malpractice, he said. So far, should the Colts have drafted Christian Darrison over Quiddy Pay? Thanks and keep up the great work. Yeah, I, I hindsight like- is twenty twenty, right? Sure, and I guess let's just start with the first part. And I feel like I'm, I'm repeating kind of what I said last year. You know, honestly, you had more starts from kind of last year's group from an experience standpoint, and that, and that again is getting into some of the depth that you had on on the offensive line. And certainly, you still had questions about it last year. Um, you know, as far as the Quiddy Pay Darisau, you know, basically they didn't feel like Darisau matched the whatever the work ethic, the attitude, however you want to label it. Of other guys in that room, they're a little concerned about that. He seems like he's had a pretty good start to his career in Minnesota. Big year. Big year for Quiddy Pay. Uh, year three for a first-round pick is always a big year, considering that fifth-year option is coming. Um, you know, I, I think you know Pay's consistent pressure is something that you would want to see rise a little bit. Obviously, stay healthy, uh, but important one. I, I Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, pass rusher, tackle, you could have debated both at that time. Uh, maybe a little bit of regret, but I'm not going to act like, you know, I was sitting here screaming for Christian Darisau at the time. Did you um, bring up the uh, three-day getaway or whatever that 
the quarterbacks had with the pass catchers earlier. Yeah, down in Miami. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Ellinger, Richardson, Minshew. Yeah, three days down in Miami. Pretty much everybody was there skill wise. Quarterback led too, right? Jelani Woods. Yeah, I think Pittman certainly spearheaded some of it. But yeah, quarterback led from a meeting standpoint and basically like a little eight thirty to twelve thirties thing of get some on field work in, do a little walkthroughs, do some meetings, routes versus air, and then call today and go fishing and. Boy, I guess you could really enjoy Miami life if you want to. Yeah, I couldn't remember if you mentioned anything or not, so I just wanted to yeah, make sure. Yeah, no, all good. Thank you for talking uh, in. British Jake wants to know what happened to Marcel Dabo, the defensive back from Germany. Is he still a part of the team? He's still around. I think he actually has an exemption for, I think right now, I don't know if that continues for the entire year. I'd probably have to look into that. But yeah, Marcel Dabo still around, man. Year two. Year Got two, right? Year two form, yeah. Especially for that position group. Yeah, wide open. That's that's a great point. Two questions left, Heavy Horseshoe. If you had the power to pull any two players off of an NFL roster and put them on the Colts, with the exception of quarterback, who would it be? Wow. Um, Jamar Chase at wideout? You good at that or no? I was going to say Justin Jefferson, but... Okay. Jefferson is a very smart one as well. Chase just a hair younger, right? Yeah, just a hair. Okay. I just like the bigger body of sure. Jefferson that he brings. Um, And then give me an edge rusher. Probably Parsons. TJ Watt. Yeah, I was just thinking a little age with Watt. Do the Watt brothers do steroids? I, I question do that. Their bodies break down. I don't know. Parsons certainly younger, right? Oh, sorry. Scratch that. Scratch that. His, uh, his his defensive end in that same division, Miles Garrett. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, obviously, all great names, but I think wideout edge is where I'd settle, and uh, I'd probably go Chasing Parsons. Chasing Watt is one I would think about, but God, AFC North has got some talent. I know. I thought about left tackle there for a second. But I was like, I who's know, the yeah? I don't know. Young young left tackle seems too boring to take. Yeah. <laughs> Last question goes to Drew. Say the Colts stay at or below five wins this season. What do you think about the Colts getting into the top three of the draft to select Marvin Harrison Jr. or the top wide receiver? How many years has it been that the Colts have tried to justify paying someone who wouldn't be wide receiver one on another team number one money, i.e. T.Y. Hilton and now Michael Pittman Jr.? I do not care. Yeah, again, if Richardson has taken the steps, sign me up for that sort of thought process. I mean, obviously, when you look at what Reggie Wayne and T.Y. Hilton did for Andrew Luck, and then certainly what Marvin and eventually Reggie Wayne did for Peyton Manning, uh, certainly, I can get behind that. Jason had one last one here, Eddie, uh, that he snuck in. I thought it was relevant based off the conversation of today. Jason goes, do you think Steichen has any input on the Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. contract discussions? Obviously, them being on the team and how much they're being paid. Influences what the rest of the roster looks like. Oh, I missed that one. I would have said this before Chris Ballard's comments. I would have said, has to. Again, I mean, you know, Steichen's got to say, this is what I envision. This is how I like to build the offense. Like, this is my, you know, usage, all of that. Steichen's got to have immense amount of personnel say, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and obviously, Ballard, I mean, I thought Ballard made that really clear today. He said it several times. Mm-hmm. Now was that that was more in reference to Taylor, not necessarily Pittman. But I know I kind of walked away from that. I was like, "Ooh, that's uh, that's interesting." Yeah, 
I think you have to let your head coach like is this particularly when he's a play caller. I mean, it's his offense, yeah. all those things. Oh yeah. Um, all right, Eddie. Let's close up shop for the day. He is Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. I hope you guys enjoyed the Ryan Kelly interview. And when are we coming back with another one? You know, I was looking at the schedule, Eddie. They practice next Monday and Tuesday, and I've kind of circled that Tuesday and Thursday practice next week as kind of those that that there's always these kind of inflection points of camp of like, all right, you've been doing it for a week. Full pads starting to come on. You're a week and a half out from the first preseason game. Are we seeing, you know, that's reps? so wild that it's almost here? Yeah. I mean, two weeks from Saturday. Are you seeing reps increase for guys, decrease for guys, you know, Minshew and Richardson for a week? So I kind of like Wednesday. At that point, we'll be five practices in. Again, you've gotten some full padded sessions in. So yeah. let's do that. Let's do Wednesday morning if that works for you. Indeed, it does. Um, let's do that for our next podcast. Again, plenty of content. 1075thefan.com, our YouTube page, 1075thefan as well. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy this time, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.